Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It is the Monday show with me, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes, yet again on a Tuesday because... The bank holidays are not our friend here at the Monday show, but we will stick with the title. And is it next week we're back on a Monday, Aaron? Yeah, I think we're back business as, as usual next week, I think. And it feels slightly strange to say we're recording this on the back of a Newcastle United defeat. There haven't been too many of them this season. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, great weekend, um, apart from the results. As you say, you know, it always feels unusual when they lose every game at the minute. I'm going over thinking that I've got them today. And I generally thought they'd be Arsenal on Sunday, but wasn't a big yeah there was a lot of confidence I thought they, they would win I, I thought they would win 2-1 I was speaking to fellow f- uh, fans and family you know everyone was very confident that Newcastle United would win on Sunday and I wonder if maybe Arsenal had somehow tapped into that and that, that kind of motivated them even more we know that Michael Arteta played them the, the clip from that Amazon documentary from last season when they threw away Champions League football. Uh, so clearly they were already motivated. They wanted a bit of revenge. And I just wonder really, and I think Jorginho as well said it as well, they relished the kind of atmosphere that they were coming up to. And in the end, they handled it very well and got all three points. That said, Aaron, on another day, Newcastle Knight would have won that game quite easily, I think. Yeah, an unusual game and an odd game on the whole, I think. Um, neither team playing brilliantly, neither team you know, playing very bad. I thought it was just an odd game. Newcastle flying out the traps as they did against Tottenham, which is very good to see after you know some slow starts, certainly away from home recently. Um, and as you say, if that Jacob Murphy shot in the first minute goes in, if that penalty had been awarded soon after and a tunnel up, I think then. As you say, I don't think Newcastle United would have thrown that away. Um, sort of caught on the hop a bit with the, with the Odegaard goal and, and struggled to really get back into it. Um, but look, this Arsenal team are brilliant. You know, it's no surprise that they've been top of the table for about 90% of the season. There's no shame of losing to them. Um, as I say, it just, it's just an unusual feeling that we're not really used to this season. I think for me, there's shades of how I felt after the Cup final when Newcastle played all right. They created chances... We were let down with a bit of sloppy defending that I think when if you're ready how and you look back when you're watching the tapes, you will be quite angry, I think, at that first goal because there's no way Odegaard should have been allowed that amount of space to take his time and, and pop one into the to the back of the net. It's one thing going through the legs because you can't really compensate that, but the fact that we had time to pick his spot is where I think Eddie Howe will be quite disappointed with. Um, but yeah, it just felt like they played all right and it's kind of an opportunity missed. And I think I think they will be disappointed that they didn't come away with at least something because, like I say, they 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 didn't play badly. They just didn't take the chances. And I think when you're against a top side like Arsenal, and there aren't many better sides in Newcastle this season. You've got to be clinical and you've got to take those chances. Yeah, and I think we've we've been so used to Newcastle beating the top teams this season. You know, Chelsea came up here. I know Chelsea've been off the boil this year, but Chelsea came up here in September, October, easily beaten. Manchester United played off the park last week. Tottenham absolutely obliterated. They got a draw at City. We're sort of used to them managed to grind out these results against the big teams. And I think, as you say, certainly from the farm perspective, like obviously I don't know what the players were feeling before the game, but I think certainly from a farm perspective, there was maybe a little bit of overconfidence. Um, but they played well, Newcastle, I thought. You know, they, they matched them for a lot of the game. It was a very niggly feisty game it was to, you know probably a horrible one to play in 
Um, they needed a bit of help from Nick Pope at times, who I thought was Newcastle's best player. Um, and look, as I say, Arsenal, you know, very, very good this season. There's no shame in losing to them. Um, and yeah, they just need to make sure they bounce back against Leeds now. I think what is refreshing that you look at this result, I think what you can apply to, to most times at Newcastle, if not all the times Newcastle will lose against the top side because it will happen, is that it's not for the one to try and they will go toe-to-toe with the big sides. Whereas under previous managers, it was, well, we'll sit back, we'll absorb, and if we get a point, it's a bonus. Whereas you know anyhow, set them up to go and win at James Park because why wouldn't you? It's a fortress. It is your home. Teams are scared to come here. And I think we saw that very early on, you know, Murphy hitting the post. And if that goes in, I think Newcastle get all three points against Arsenal. Yeah, it had shades to that sort of, Tottenham start, didn't it? You know, when Newcastle were just so quick out the traps. Tottenham were sort of shell-shocked. And I think Arsenal, in the very early stages, similar to last May when they played them, when Arsenal were obviously chasing the Champions League and ultimately sort of bottled it, felt like, you know, the, it was going to be one of those games again that was a rampant atmosphere. And I think that lengthy VAR call for the penalty, and I know we're going to go on to that, that in more detail in a bit, but I think that maybe sucked a little bit of the energy out of it. And then with Arsenal scoring, you know, moments later, it was a bit of a sucker punch, and I think that maybe set the tone a little bit for the for the later stages of the game. Do you think the difference from last season to this season it also maybe played a part in it? Whereas last season it was all about, oh, Newcastle have stopped up, fantastic turnaround, and has done a great job. This time they have something to lose. You know, they're chasing top four. Do you think maybe a little bit of pressure uh, creeped into the dressing room? A little bit of okay. There is something at stake. It's not like last season where they knew Premier League football was secured. They could go out and enjoy themselves. You know, there is something still to achieve this season. Maybe. I mean, it, it might have played a factor. But again, I just think you've got to look at Newcastle's results against the top teams this season. They've got no reason to go into their, you know, them games and feel any pressure. They've, you know, this Arsenal team was quite similar to the one that played them at St James's Park last year at the back of the back end of the season. I don't, I don't think pressure would have got into it. I think how when the players know it's in their hands, I think they were just beaten by a better team on the day, despite playing reasonably well. Yes, they were they looked a little bit, you know, at certain points of the game. But it's by no means any, you know, cause for panic. Yes, Liverpool are starting to breathe down their necks, but I think on the whole, there was positives to take from the game. Oh, definitely loads of positives, positives getting words out, positives to talk about. Uh, Stephen says the long review of the penalty was a lifeline yeah. for Arsenal. Let's talk about that then because, you know, it was the right decision in the end. I know the referee was booed off. And I know on social media there's lots of kind of suggestions that the referee had had a poor game. Thinking back, we, we spoke about it off air and I'm not entirely sure the referee had a poor performance. There were one or two tackles where you can argue maybe someone should have been booked. But as a whole, I think you let the game flow. And I think the penalty call was right. That that for all we complain about VAR, that is what it's there for. It's to get those decisions right. Because if that's on the other foot and that's Fabian Share in the middle getting done for that and that goes and it stays a penalty, we're absolutely raging, we're fuming. So it was good in one sense to see VAR get it right. Of course it comes at the cost of a penalty for Newcastle, but I don't think you can have any complaints. It, it wasn't a handball. Yeah, certainly in real time I thought ooh you know, this might be, but I think as soon as that replay started going on four and five and six and seven times and the Chris Cavanaugh got sent the monitor, I thought there's absolutely no way it's going to be given. And ultimately, I agree with you. I don't think it was a penalty. Of course, if that was at the other end, we'd be absolutely fuming if it was given. In terms of Chris Cavanaugh's performance, you know, as you say, going on social media straight after the game, I received two or three texts from different people saying, oh, the rest performance. And I thought, well, Actually, he's made the right call with the penalty after you know reviewing it. He hasn't had an absolute. There's n- there's no sort of one moment in that game that sticks out in my mind where I thought he's got that really wrong. He hasn't missed a penalty. He hasn't missed a you know a definite red card or. Uh, I didn't really understand the booing. Yes, Arsenal were time wasting. Yes, they were making it really really hard. It was stop start. Could the referee have maybe controlled it a little bit better? Yes, I certainly think there should have been more yellow cards. But on the whole, I think I, I, I didn't really get the instant reaction to the referee. And one of those texts that you got came off came off your mum. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she said um, she said that the ref had a poor game. But again, I just I, I, I just don't see it. 
No cake this week. For no me, cake this week, unfortunately. Disappointing. Disappointing. <laughs> it was a lovely cake. Um, Stephen says, it isn't meant to referee the game, though. Clear and obvious, it wasn't. I think there's a clip going around about Alan Shearer being a little bit, a bit unhappy and, and stating that exact point. Was it clear and obvious? But I don't really subscribe to that argument this time around because clear and obvious, it has to be kind of very, very close, doesn't it? Like, like you can't really tell the difference. But when you actually look at it, it does hit the defender's leg first. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the clear and obvious error, isn't it? Yeah, that's the rules, isn't it? If it hits off their if their um off their leg first at close range and and yeah, I I, I can't understand that the very minority of Newcastle fans, by the way, saying that they thought it was a penalty. I, I just for me it wasn't. And as we touched on, I mean it's that thing we always say, if that was at the other end, you know, it it, it was the right call. So just uh, one other mention of, of our, the West Ham My United game. I mean, while we're here, thank you, West Ham. We, we were thanking Bournemouth not too long ago. Thank you, West Ham, for beating Manchester United. And uh, arguably, they should have had a penalty themselves, West Ham. And somehow, it was Lindelof, wasn't it? How on earth that is not given as a penalty? What were VAR doing? What are the video assistant referees doing not to award that penalty against Lindelof? You know what's funny when I when I watched that in real time, but I was watching that game live, and as soon as that wasn't given, I thought of you and I thought Andrew's going to be sitting there going, "Oh, I'm going to have to bring VR up on the pod again as we do every week." But I mean, we've we've said it before, and I'm sure we'll be saying it this time next year. What on earth the handball rule is in this country? I've got no idea because if that is not a handball, when he moves his arm towards and it, then he catches it. Yeah, just yeah, it was Absolutely it was ridiculous. But I did think of you when it happened, so thank you. Les says watching on TV, and she agrees with Aaron's mum. The referee was ineffectual at best. Um, yeah, VAR another disappointing show. But at St James Park, I'm going to have to defend it and say, unfortunately for Newcastle, I'd got the decision right. Um, we've mentioned there already that the goal, um, the Odegaard goal, I think Eddie Howe will be absolutely raging at that, the way that goal's been scored because you'd not leave a man of Odegaard's talent with that much room, time and space to pick a spot. I suppose the big question is, if Sean Longstaff is playing, is he out, out of that? Does he stop him? Potentially, I think they would have had a much better chance of, of saving it. It's, it's a very poor goal to concede, one, because of the distance of where he's on the pitch, too, because of the fact nobody really goes to close him down. And obviously then, number three, it goes through Botman's legs and, and Pope probably would have done a little bit better had it not. Um, you've hit it nail on the head. I think Odegaard proved yet again on Sunday why he's the so highly thought of. Best midfielder yeah, he's, in the Premier League. Yeah, he, he generally looks a class above. And I'm sort of scratching my head a little bit when Arteta give him the captaincy at the start of the season, given how young he is, given how he doesn't really, doesn't come across like a Xhaka or sort of Gabriel where he leads the team, but he's just an absolute special player to watch. And it wasn't just that goal, he had other moments, he obviously almost set one up soon after, could have probably had another one himself. Um, just a really, really good talent. And when you give players like that time and space, they're going to punish you. And having Jorginho in the middle, I felt was really, really key. He's not being all that a regular in the Arsenal side, but a very shrewd signing from Chelsea. Brings that experience to the Arsenal um, midfield and allows the likes of uh, Zaka and um, Odegaard to do what they do best. And I think when you look at the effect Jorginho has had in that midfield of late, um, you can kind of see what Newcastle need to do in the summer in terms of buying that defensive midfielder, mm -hmm. which then allows the two on either side just to step it up the level and do what they do best because I think we have to be honest Bruno Gomes is not the answer when Newcastle need a defensive midfielder yeah what I will say on, on Bruno is I thought Arsenal targeted him pretty much from minute one you could tell he was given no time and space on the ball um, and ultimately I don't think he's a defensive midfielder I think you know and I've written about this this today I think in the summer they need to be going out and signing a real experienced you know, out and out defensive midfielder who's just happy to sit and hold and mop up anything in front of the defence. Let Bruno go forward. Let him, you know, play in the number eight position where he wants to, where he flourishes. Um, and I think you could, you know, I was having a conversation with with one of our editors at the Chronicle who, who makes this point a lot that Newcastle really struggle when they're up against 
a midfield three that's two holding midfielders and a number ten, which it was on Saturday. And I think again having just a you know an experienced defensive midfielder who knows when to you know drop onto that ten. That could be key in the summer, and I think that's where they should be looking at. Um, but I, I must admit, I know Newcastle fans probably won't like me saying this because of their antics off the ball, but I think Shaka, Odegaard and Georgino, the three of them were very, very good um, on Sunday. And as I said, they made sure Bruno didn't have any impact. Um, and look, it's no surprise that Newcastle were sort of linked with Georgino early in the season when he was... Uh, Leaving Chelsea's a bit slow on the ball and he doesn't really have that pace, but he's a he's a very, very good passer. Um and, and I think they show that talent on Sunday. And Johnny says I disagree, he's played most of his career at DM. It would be easier for us to get a better number eight than a defensive midfielder who is better than Gamresh. Obviously he needs someone else who can play there though. But but Bruno's Bruno's <coughs> already came out and, 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 and given an interview not too long ago where he said, you know, he obviously he doesn't mind where he plays, whether it's sitting at the the base of the defence or bombing on forward but he, he ultimately wants to play in that number 8 role and I personally think that he is much better when he's allowed to roam free and he's allowed to go forward and we don't have to see him sort of I feel he's a little bit restricted in that role where he's picking up the ball from Fabian Scher with his back to goal you know, 30 yards inside his own half but you know He's proven he can play there and how clearly he likes him there, but I think I think they can do better without him in that position. Martin says Conte is available on a free from Chelsea, and that's what they need. They need someone like that. And I think actually when you look at Arsenal, they've been ever so fortunate that these so-called top teams, and obviously Man City is a top team, but we including Chelsea in that kind of bracket, have allowed these players to go. I mean, Shevchenko, Jorginho, it's, it's amazing that they've landed on their feet somehow and A, persuaded them to go. I suppose it's not that difficult. You're only moving cross the road if you're from Chelsea, but also persuading the likes of Chelsea to let top-class players go, which are only going to benefit Arsenal, and hopefully Newcastle can have the same look this summer, because if you sign someone like Kante, uh, you know, that is it, that is immediately going to boost your, your midfield and your options. Ultimately, yeah, I think Arsenal have done, you know, as you say, a massive stroke. I think they lulled all these big teams into a really false sense of security in the sense of, oh, we we can give Arsenal some of our rejects. It's not going to matter. And obviously, they've, you know, they still could win the title. But if not, they've gone very, very close with signing three players who have got experience of winning titles. Eddie Howe spoke about it at the start of the season. You know, clubs did them no favours last summer. You know, Chelsea being one of them. And I think it's going to get even harder to sign players from the Premier League. Um, certainly, they're, they're close rivals this summer. I certainly don't think the likes of Manchester City and. Arsenal are going to be giving you know, Newcastle anyone, if I'm completely honest. Uh, Derek says, Bruno said, as already said, he loves to score and make goals. And we've seen it, a bit of that this season, obviously. I mean, I think yesterday was another poor performance from Bruno. And I think we've mentioned it the last couple of weeks. I think he really is struggling. Yesterday, he wanted too much time on the ball. Didn't when when Eddie Howe talks about controlling emotions, he was one of those players who really let the emotions get the better of him. And we talk about needing a plan B or worrying there's not a plan B if Isaac and Wilson play together. Well, what's the plan B when Bruno has a bad game? Because he is the linchpin. He's the cornerstone. He's when he's on form, Newcastle are obviously a much better side. But when he has a bad day at the office, like I felt he did yesterday, I'm not putting all the responsibility on him, but I felt he was far from his best. Newcastle just don't seem to have that bit of magic and I think there needs to be a plan B and, and obviously that comes in the summer that's the remedy signing someone who can fill in for uh, Bruno when he's having an off day yeah absolutely I think um, you know Eddie Howe made it clear and John everybody knows it that they've been light in midfield they probably in an ideal world would have had a little bit more time to replace John Joe Shelby um, because we've already seen when Bruno gets injured if Joe Litton gets injured they're really really stretched this summer is all about adding depth, not just in the midfield, but in, in maybe at centre back, definitely at left back, maybe on one of the flanks, and, and even another striker. Then they need to be adding more options. And, and this is no disrespect to the players that are on Newcastle's bench at the moment, but if, if they're playing Champions League football next year, they need a, you know to lift the level of that squad. Not, not significantly because they've done very, very well this season, but I think they just need a little bit more in a few positions to just give them a few more options and plan Bs, as you say. So if you're Steve Nixon and you're Eddie Howe, Aaron's just trying to pick up his phone very subtly here because he's dropped it on the floor. 
Sorry, classy, classy as always. Um, if your um, Newcastle United's transfer team mm-hmm. and you're looking at the midfield, which we, we believe is going to be their number one priority, who are you going all out? Who 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 is at the top of that list? Um... I mean, this is this is maybe an unrealistic target. I think everyone would agree, but Declan Rice is obviously going to be the name. 120 million. You can see Newcastle splashing that amount of cash. No, so that's why I said it was quite unrealistic. Let, let's talk more realistically. Maybe someone like Calvin Phillips, if you can persuade Manchester City, and I know I've just said City aren't going to be doing Newcastle any favours, but if you can get him anywhere near back to what he was like at Leeds, you've got a real, real player there. I think they... There's a lot of good options in Europe. There's, there's of course, Yuganti who plays for Sporting Lisbon, who's very highly rated. Um, Amadou Hayara, another one. Leipzig, likely to leave for the Premier League in the summer. Another one. There's a lot of options out there um, to improve the base of that midfield. But do you need someone with Premier League experience? Because, again, I go back to Jorginho coming in at Arsenal, and now obviously Arsenal have a, a host of experience in the Premier League. But I'm just thinking yesterday... When when you look at Newcastle and players losing their heads, sort of, it hasn't happened often this season. But when players have been on the verge of of, of losing it, it's Kieran Trippier's running over and he's stopping it. But yesterday it was Kieran Trippier that really got wound up and caught up in it all. And then there was no one really, in terms of a leadership role, coming over and trying to sort it out, calm it down. I'm just wondering. Do you go for someone like Hadara, who's been playing over in Europe but hasn't got that experience, who's still a very young player, or do you target someone who has had experience in the Premier League, or at least is 27, 28, and, and has a bit more experience behind them, and, and, and you know a bit wiser, got, got a wiser head on them? I don't think you necessarily need Premier League experience. I get your point completely, but you've only got to look at the impact. Sven Botman, Alexander Izak and, and Bruno have had on this team and neither of them, had, you know, none of the three had, had set foot in the Premier League. I get your point about experience. Maybe if, if, if they're going down that route, you look at somebody like Edson Alvarez who plays, you know, at the base of Ajax's midfield. Very experienced, you know, Mexican international who's, you know, a leader in that Ajax team over in Holland. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's essential that they need to get someone from the Premier League. Now we've got a few comments here saying uh, break the bank for Rice. He won't mind playing second fiddle to Shaw and says Derek. And Les points out it's a massive if regarding yeah. getting Calvin Phillips back to match fitness. Um, never mind Eddie Howe fitness, which is a point. He's only started two games yeah. this season, both cup games. Didn't even get on against Leeds, did he? Uh, so it hasn't quite worked. But obviously a very clear, clearly a very talented player, Gareth Southgate, for some reason continues to put him in his England squad sure yeah. that shows you the ability that um, that Calvin Phillips has um, let's talk about Pope versus Ramsdale because it was a battle of the ages and both keepers with Gareth Southgate in the stands watching on it was a fantastic performance by both of them unfortunately for Newcastle Pope couldn't keep a clean sheet but you know he put in a man of the match performance didn't he yeah, he was Newcastle's best player for me. I thought he, he really did keep them in the game. Two or three huge saves in that first half when it, you know Newcastle could have been two or three down going into the break. Was he at fault for either goal? Probably not. He, he probably kicked himself for that first one, but I think going through Botman's legs really does distract him. And obviously that second one when, when Fabian Cher puts it in, there's not too much he can do. I thought he was really, really good and... He's still a little bit shaky with his feet. He still gives you a few. That chance where he goes to clear it and it's just Saka. misses Saka. Heart in the mouth at that moment. But other than that, I thought he was really, really good. A shot stopping still, second and on. Yeah, um, well, without him, it would have been three or four. Oh, absolutely, it? definitely. And um, I must say as well, and Ramsdale, you know, he does get some stick and he likes to wind opposition fans up, but he is very, very good goalkeeper. He's been fantastic this season. Um, an Englander and safe hands with with a pair of them fighting it out. Now, it's interesting you mentioned the footwork of Nick Pope because obviously a lot of criticism has come the way of David De Gea after what happened against Man- uh, West Ham. Now, a lot of the criticism is that he can't play with his feet. You know, he can't play out from the back. He makes the Manchester United defence a, a, a wee bit nervous. And we sit here quite often and say, well, Nick Pope's the same, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yet, there's not a question that Eddie Howe's looking for a new goalkeeper in the summer. No. So I'm just wondering, 
because obviously they want to play the same way Manchester United and Newcastle don't they? They want to play out from the back. So, what is it? What? Why? Why am I United looking for a new goalkeeper, but Newcastle and United that aren't? Um, I think look with David here, he's probably a little bit past his best in that regard. He's got a lot of errors, and I'm not just with his footwork, but also as we saw on on Sunday, you know, he is letting a few sloppy ones in. Nick Pope, I think his shot stopping more than makes up for the fact that he isn't too good with the Best team. in the league at that? I would yeah, I would say certainly this season, I don't think there's been a better shot stopper out there. And look, I think, yes, Newcastle United want to play out for the back. We've seen them start to do that more. But I think unless you like, uh, unless Pep comes to Newcastle and suddenly wants Nick Pope to start playing 30 yards out of his goal and really start attacks from the back, I don't think you've got too much to worry about, about the fact that he's not. Um, the best with his feet, I just think, you know, there is sort of a, collective holding on the breath whenever the ball gets played back room but fantastic on Sunday fantastic all season um, and yeah as you say certainly no chance he'll be replacing them somewhere and there were a few times against Arsenal where I did just feel like shouting just just kick it up yeah. the pitch because <laughs> yeah. there was enough times where they were just trying to pass it about they were being pressed high and it wasn't necessarily that maybe Arsenal were even in their face for whatever reason the defence at times just looked a little bit shell-shocked and I think I'm a big fan of playing out from the back. It looks nice when it works, but there are times when you've just got to put your foot through it because you're going to get caught eventually. And um, thankfully, Newcastle I mean, didn't get caught. They still lost the game, but they will get caught. And it, 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 someday it will cost them dearly. Yeah, it will. We've already seen it a couple of times this season. Obviously, um, Pope had a little bit of a, a shaky spell a month or two ago. But um, as you say, you, you can sort of forgive that because of how well he is uh, You know, keeping the shots out. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to the episode so far, Andrew Muscovy. I just want to point you guys in the direction of a live event that we're holding on May the 25th. That's a Thursday night. We'll be at the Tyneside Irish Centre myself and Newcastle United writer Kieran Kelly and Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes and our chief Newcastle United writer Lee Ryder. The Daily Mirror Simon Bird will also be on the panel. But to kick things off, we'll have a club legend with us. Arguably one of the best crosses of the ball ever to play in black and white. Alan Shearer is a massive fan of this man. It is Norberto Solano. This is your opportunity to come and meet a Newcastle United legend and talk about all things Newcastle United with our panel. Hopefully by that time, Newcastle will have secured top four football. So there's going to be plenty to talk about. The brilliant season so far. What's to come in the summer transfer window and then those nights on the continent, hopefully against Barcelona or an Inter Milan. It's going to be a great night. To secure your ticket, hit that link in the description to this episode and head over to eventbrite.com. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you. We can't wait to see you. It's going to be a great evening, raising really important funds as well for the Newcastle United fans food bank. So hit that link, secure your ticket, and we look forward to seeing you on May the 25th. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, I don't say this very often, so you're going to end up screen recording this and playing it to your heart's content. Everybody get this clipped up. Aaron's mom, you'll be probably recording this and playing it back as well. <laughs> Aaron, you were right. Thank you very much. I know I was. Should I tell you why you were right? Yeah. So you're already assuming you already, know why you I already right. know, but you can tell me anyway. Aaron has gone against the tide, hasn't he, when it comes to Wilson and Isaac, and he said he doesn't subscribe to the belief they should start from the word go. Eddie Howe decided to start them from the word go against Arsenal. And there's no other way to say it. It just, it just didn't work. It didn't work. Isaac looked very unhappy, I th partly because of the way Arsenal set up. They dropped deep and they kind of invited him on. He didn't seem to like that. 
I think he likes it when the defence steps up and he can then go in and around them. Arsenal just had a game plan and it worked perfectly. But whatever's been working between them two when the changes are made in the second half of games recently, it wasn't there from the off. And I don't think we'll see it again this season. Yeah, look, people do call me the you know the, the broken clock twice, <laughs> right twice a day. Um, <laughs> With how long have you been planning that one? You messed it up. <laughs> um, but no, I, I did. I did feel vindicated. And look, I, d- I don't want to be vindicated. I would have loved to Isaac and Wilson have started together on Sunday, and and blown Arsenal out the water. But I just think when it wasn't working, and this was my big fear with starting the two of them, is that you know, the, f- the full point of them playing together recently has been, has been working so well, but Newcastle have needed to change the game. Brentford, Everton, um, Southampton. I don't know. I just think without having that recognised strike on the bench to mix it up in the second half, I thought, yes, you're bringing and Maxi and going on for the last 15 minutes, but I, I, I'm not sure. I just think it's much better to have that plan B. Isaac, who we know can play out left, just looked a little bit isolated. He looked, you know, I think Arsenal had his number a little bit. Wilson didn't have, a, you know, a very good game compared to his usual standards. Whether we'll see it or not again this season, I'm, I'm not too sure. I think a lot of it depends on Longstaff because I think as soon as Longstaff's back in that team, I think Jolinton again moves out to the left, which I'm perfectly fine with. Maxi is now getting back up to speed. I know I only give him 20 minutes of a day. Um, and you've got Gordon as well. So there's options there. For me, I I just like to see, you know, that plan B available from the bench. Those who want to see it again might argue, well, it's the first time it's happened. Do they mm-hmm. need just to get into sync? Yeah, that's another argument. And look, you know, I'm not saying oh, I'm sitting here vindicated. I knew it wouldn't work. I was completely fine with that start at eleven on Sunday. I like he's like out left. I think he's, he looks comfortable there. Wilson, could you really have dropped him after his two at Southampton? Probably not. It was probably the right call by Howe. And maybe they do just need a couple of weeks to get up to speed, but I just think do that once they qualify for the Champions League, if you really have to. I think it didn't work on Sunday. I just think get over the line first and then sort of experiment with it. Do you run the risk also when you start the ones that they did against Arsenal and it's not worked, then you have to take one off and you push one up top as I think he was Isaac, wasn't it? Wilson came off. Yeah. He's already lacking confidence. He's already down in the dumps you know it, it's not the same as if you're bringing them off the bench where he's got a point to prove and I'm just wondering when you've already had an hour of it not working not going your way do you think it's is it harder to, to snap back into a bit of a positive mood and make sure that you're, you, you're up for whatever comes your way compared to what it's like when you do come off the bench yeah I would say so I think we've seen it the last you know month or two where one of the others came off the bench and instantly the team gets a big lift. They personally probably get a big lift. And I don't know, I just thought Saturday, uh, Sunday when they changed it, as you said, Isaac moved down the middle, Wilson came off. You know, Maxi I thought did okay when he came on, but it, he didn't really see that sudden surge that we've seen when one of the two strikers has came on. And I just think um, there's a lot of players fighting for that one spot out on the left and I'm just not sure whether Isaac's the man to start there, that's all. Yeah, I suppose as well... Um it's interesting that when both of them start, there's no um, body on the bench, is there? There are no youth players coming on the bench to um, fill in the gap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if they maybe had a third striker in their ranks, then um, you know it wouldn't be too bad with them doing it. But I just think when you've only got the two of them out there, um, and to be fair, speaking of youth talent, we haven't mentioned them yet, but I thought Elliot Anderson looked quite lively coming on. We've been banging the drum recently, or you know, certainly trying to get wanting to see him more, wanting to get more minutes. And I thought he came on and shaped like had he had a, you know, a little bit more time, he would have done well. Um, but again, that's something to address in the summer. I think they need maybe, maybe you know, one more option, whether it's the third choice striker or another winger. I, I'm, I'm not too sure, but I think they've got to go out and get a third choice striker. And I was looking actually as well, maybe where they could target. I think they'll follow a similar strategy as they did with uh, Hugo Ateke where they'll go for someone who's young can learn off the likes of Isaac and Wilson and you look at the French League and I was going to actually mention uh, the chap who plays up top for Montpellier and I've totally forgotten his name no he scored four over the weekend it was like he knew I was going to mention him (laughs) but when you look at the top scorers in Ligue 1 there are a lot of young players there who are you know 19 20 21 23 who will come in 
and I don't think we'll expect to be first choice in a team hopefully battling in the Champions League and can learn and can progress. And, you know, you've got Grand Cual as well who might come yeah. back into the fold after a disastrous uh, spell at Hearts. wasn't even on the bench um, in the game over the weekend. But I think that's the strategy they'll go for and it's just whether, well, who it is. I mean, any any names that spring to mind for you? No, not not off the top of my head, but I, I, what you what you said about Ligue 1 and France is, is absolutely right. Southampton were... Um, a team that, that took advantage of that signing, Sekou Mura, who had a very good season last year um, in France's top division. There's definitely talent out there to be, um, you know, to be sought after. Especially, you know, even you've got to look at clubs like Rem, who have got um, former Arsenal striker Balogun out there, who's done very well. So there's certainly options, and I think I agree. I think if they're going to go out and get a third choice striker, I think it should be someone young who can develop, learn from Isaac, learn from Wilson, and over time maybe. You know, become a future number nine um, for the club. Grant Kowal is a great example. I know he's not maybe an out and out striker, but he's certainly a, a player who can play across the front three. Um, a shame about the Hearts loan. I think they'll learn from that. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go out on loan again next season. Um, but yeah, I think they maybe need one more in that position. Ellie Wahai is the person I was I was talking about. Twenty years of age. Um, had an absolute storm out of a season. 17 goals and 30 games this season. Got 10 this season before. So I think they'll be looking at those kind of players. Like I don't uh, claim to know anything about really, um, let alone how to pronounce his name. But it's those kind of players I think that will be targeting. Someone who's not going to have a huge outlay, kind of low risk factor, I think is the best way to describe it. You know, someone who's going to cost 20, 30 million to, who, you know, to this Newcastle ownership, that's not a huge amount of money, but there's potential there. And that's what we saw last summer when they were so adamant that they were going to try and get Hugo Ekatike. Um Obviously, we all know how that's got at PSG. It does look like Newcastle have dodged a bullet, given that he spent all season complaining that he hasn't been starting above Neymar and Batby and Messi. What were you expecting? Exactly. Imagine if he came to Newcastle, well, I'm not even starting over Callum Wilson, what's the point? Um but I certainly think someone in that age bracket from that division, from a team like, as you know, people are saying in the comments here, Montpellier, Rem, um, teams like that, I think that's where you need to be targeting. We know that there are like kind of three lists that Newcastle are potentially working from for the outcome of the, this season. But do you think with someone like that, we know they need a third striker? We believe the strategy is going to be similar as we say to the Atelier Chase. Is that something you you expect once the window opens, they'll pretty much have done and dusted? Because is it other kind of positions, i.e. that defensive midfield, where you do have to kind of wait and see what football you're playing next season? Because you're not going out and just signing a £20 million youngster. You're going to want a Declan Rice. You're going to want a Calvin Phillips who are going to want Champions League football. So you do have to wait and see. Yeah, I think there's certainly... You know, certainly an element of that. These young players, it doesn't really matter whether you're in the Champions League or the Europa League or the Conference League, because you know that they're probably not going to, as you say, walk into that first team. Um, Eddie Howe keeps, you know, reiterating whenever we ask him anything about transfer, he says, "Well, we don't know what competition we're playing in next season, so we'll make a decision on that when we know more." They'll certainly have lists drawn up. They'll have Plan A's, Plan B's. Um, I'm sure conversations are already well underway as to who they're going to be bringing in. But I think, as you say, Champions League football next season will be a game changer in terms of signing, you know, real top class outlets. So while we're here, shall we have a little listen to Eddie Howe speaking after the game against Arsenal? This is what the Newcastle manager had to say. Yeah, uh, very much so. Um, we felt lots of the performance was good today without probably being our best of the season. Um, loads of chances. Just one of those days it wouldn't go in for us. Uh, felt if we had have scored at any stage during that game, even at 2-0 two, two down, uh, we were always very close to getting back into the game. So it was a game that slipped by for us, but um, felt the players gave everything. They were very, very good at frustrating you as well, weren't they? They, they sort of did that brilliantly. Yeah, uh, they managed the game well from their perspective. They slowed it down. Um, lots of breaks in play, frustrating for us. Naturally, we wanted the ball in play more, especially when you're chasing the game. But we have to look at what we can control. We can't control that. That's the referee's job. What we can control is our ability to take our chances and, and possibly defend better than we did today. Just one more on that. And went down, I think, four or five times for treatment. Not once did Arsenal look like they had a substitute warming up. Um, is that 
that one of the oldest tricks in the book? Is that a, a display of somebody deliberately going down the street and throwing up the game? Yeah, I think that's a difficult one for, for me to, to answer. It was frustrating from our perspective because, as I said, we wanted the ball in play. We wanted to find our rhythm. It was very stop-start. That was, of course, suiting the away team as the home team. You want the ball in play. So frustrating in that sense for, for us, definitely. Demi, you've been very measured when you've been winning games. Do you have to be equally measured now that you've, you've lost one of to come? Yeah, I think at this stage of the season, with four games to go for us, I think... Absolutely, I have to be measured. I have to be, I think, very positive. I don't think there's any time for negativity to, to creep into my psychology or the players' psychology. You know, we're, I'm proud of the players today. I know that the result went against us, but you could see the effort and commitment of the group, what we tried to deliver. It was a high-quality game. It was end-to-end, -end, it was open. Um, but we were just missing that X factor today, that, that missing part of our game. And um, we hope against Leeds in our next game that we bring it all back together. We'll talk about time wasting in a moment, but I think what I take from that there, that last bit there, seeing, you know, we're just missing that kind of X factor. He's proud of the players, but we're just missing that X factor. And it's refreshing because I think under previous managers, Newcastle had performed like that and lost 2 0. It would have been cause for kind of celebration. You know, we played well. We just didn't win. And that would have been the end of it. But I think what we get with Eddie Howe is he'll praise the players to a certain degree, but also he will then go back over what went wrong and make sure that next week the same thing does not happen, whether that's taking your chances, whether that's getting out to the best player that you left unmarked. He is going to make sure that whatever didn't go in Newcastle's way, whatever they can control, the next game they will control and be better at it. He's not resting on the effort and commitment of the players, which is never in doubt. We often ask Eddie Howe after a game, you know, especially big wins, you know, like the top game, what are you going to do to celebrate Eddie? How are you going to enjoy this tonight? He goes, well, I'll, I'll go home and I'll stick the kettle on and get some biscuits and I'll review the game. And if that's what he's doing when they're beating teams like Tottenham 6-1, you can, you know, be sure that he's doing that when they lose at home to Tottenham. Two weeks later, I think they'll have, as you say, all those problems that we saw on Sunday and, you know, not getting out of Erdegaard early enough, not, you know, maybe putting enough pressure on their midfield. Um, they'll all be worked on and, and, you know, Eddie Howe isn't lying when he says he wants to win every game. We've seen that with the way he sets his teams up against, you know, whether it's Manchester City or whether it's Southampton, he, he wants to go out and win. So that'll, few, you know, fuel the fire for Saturday, I think. When he mentions missing the X Factor, what is the X Factor that was missing? I, I'm not too sure because... You know, it feels like you can't go too hard on this team because of what they've done this season. You can't say, oh, well, you know, they're missing a a, a huge depth and rise type in the middle because, you know, they're not. They're playing really well. They're matching teams. I'm not, I can't pick, you know, anything off the top of my head where I think, right, they're missing this spark. Or they, that starting 11, that starts is, is matching teams. And is so it, I don't is know. Is it just maybe Eddie Howe has set the bar right here and, they've, and it's so high? And they've just come under it. Is that maybe what? What do you like? Because when you have such high expectations, and you put them on your team, and you you know, maybe when you do lose like this, even though you've played well, it, you, you know that you are you are always going to feel like you're missing something because because the standard is set so high. Maybe, but I just think the goalposts have been moved so much this season. I think back to where they were this time last year. You know, so many games you would have just thought, right, well, we'll just write this off and, and chalk up the defeat. Even this season when they went to the Etihad, you're thinking, they're on a form, they're on, they could get something here. It's not out of the, the realm's possibility. So I think that needs to be, and this is not me saying Eddie Howe, you need to remember this, but sometimes I think as a collective, the players, Eddie Howe, the fans, it's just you sort of take a step back and think, they have came so far in such a short space of time it's no surprise that they're missing the X factor because really a lot of these players were in a relegation fight next year, uh, last year, whereas Arsenal have, have had years to build squads that are, you know, oozing with players with that X factor. So, yeah, I, I'm not too sure on that one. I hope you castle out in a relegation fight next year. <laughs> Be a fall from grace, that wouldn't it? Um, let's go on a time waste now. And anyhow, said, you know, it's not up to him; they can't control that. That's up to the referee to to manage that. And obviously, a lot's been said about. Arsenal's antics on the pitch and players going down Ramsdale 
falling over thin airs, army one chase the ball down and what have you. And it is so frustrating to see because obviously you want the balls that Howe said there to be in play, especially when you're chasing the game down. But I've got to be honest, I don't think Newcastle can have any complaints at all because Newcastle throughout this season have been very clever in the way they've managed games. You know, whether it's been Jacob Murphy um, tripping over the ball before he takes a throw in or whether it is, you know, Fabian Cher going down. You know, they know what they're doing and we've praised them for it because that's what the top teams do. They know how to protect the league, a lead. And it's, as the opposition, you're going to be so angry, you're going to be frustrated. But as Dan Byrne actually said afterwards, and I've got yeah. the quotes here, I don't think Newcastle can have any complaints. And Dan Byrne said, of course it's frustrating, but that's why, that's what they said we did at their place. We get a lot of stick for slowing the game down, which I don't know if we intentionally do all the time. They did that, but it's part and parcel of football. We can't do it and then complain when it happens to us. And he's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's not make any bones about it. Arsenal, some of their players were an absolute disgrace with it on Sunday. Ramsdale for one, Xhaka, who, you know, is just, he's, he's, he's a horrible player to play against. Um, but I think Byrne hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, you can't all have it. You can't have your cake and then eat it. I think we've seen so many times this season, as you've just mentioned a few there, Lascelles stopping the throw at Chelsea and Newcastle have done it. And it is a compliment, the fact that Arsenal feel they need to do it. It is a massive compliment that Arsenal think, you know what, if we need to eke out as much time because Newcastle can punish us. Um, and look, when Newcastle do it, it's brilliant and we've got to, come to accept that teams are going to do it against them as well as they, as they start to disrupt the top six. Newcastle did allow Arsenal to wind them up something about them, yeah. didn't they? I mean, we mentioned earlier in the show about, about Trippier. It's the first time we've really seen Kieran Trippier lose his rag. And I mean, he was... Him and Jesus had it for a long time and Wilson and Xhaka were at it for a long time. You know, throughout the game, they were they really, really good at each other. And I thought that was one moment that Kavanaugh did sort of lose the game before half-time. It was a five-minute period where it was, you know, all hell was sort of breaking loose. Um, but yeah, I, I think that... That was the first time we've really seen Newcastle rattled in a, in a long time. I think, and I think there's, there's not much to be disappointed about Sunday. The result didn't go the way, and as Eddie Howe said, there loads of positives to take. But I think that would be one thing he will be disappointed at, and just wanting to tighten up slightly is just not allowing the opposition to get inside your head because it, it worked to Arsenal's benefit. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. Over time, Newcastle will become more cost accustomed to it. I think the fans will also become a little bit more accustomed to it. I think it just all feels very new. You know, teams like Arsenal never used to come to St James Park and time waste anywhere near that. And I think it maybe just a little bit of shock the system sometimes. Um, but look, Newcastle have learnt to give it. They need to take it as well. And Graham says every student needs lessons, valuable stuff on Sunday. Superior game of football. We have a team that tries. Yeah. Absolutely spot on there, Graham. Johnny says, we can't have any complaints. It's part of football, just funny seeing Arteta and other pundits, fans of Arsenal, who were so enraged with it, the Emirates now saying, it's fine. W one thing I will say, and that, that's a, a really good point by Johnny, is that I saw um, a Newcastle fan made a very, very good clip of Martin Keown back on TalkSport in January saying, when Arsenal drew 0-0 and there was all this furore about Newcastle time, it's, oh, Joel, and he was an absolute disgrace last night. Um, I've never seen a player time waste like that. He, he should be, you know, he should be a retrospective ban for it. And he clipped up what Keown said on Sunday night about Xhaka and Keown, obviously a, a massive Arsenal fan. Grant Xhaka, an absolute masterclass in time waste and games ma management. Oh, he was he was brilliant. And I just thought, what chance have Newcastle got if that's you know someone in the media on a, on a big platform? But it's right, it is just sort of a little bit hypocritical at times. But you know why? If, if, and I think it's a big if, if Eddie Howe sees that and does allow himself to get, you know, wound up by the comments of the national media, which I'm very doubtful yeah. he will do, but if, if he if, if he did, then he uses it to Newcastle's benefit. Exactly. It's that, you know, Newcastle United against the world mantra, which has is, is served them very well so far. I do want to just mention something which I thought was quite amusing, though. Fabian Cher, the man of steel who shows no emotion... He can let himself get a bit wound up sometimes, but as a whole, you very rarely see him apologising to anyone. But when he top, chopped down uh, 
his fellow countrymen yeah. in the middle of the park. He was in play. He was very quickly to apologise. He had that little look and was like, oh, I'm sorry, which I felt was quite amusing. Yeah, he looked like he slipped, but it was a it was a late tackle, wasn't it, on, on Xhaka? And, and I think, yeah, he was... It looked like when you played football, um, five aside with your dad's mates and your dad and you accidentally like tripped your dad up <laughs> and you were very quickly to apologise. I'll have to take your word for it. I've never done that, so... Sorry, Dad. Um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Let's look into the comments then. We've got um, uh, a few people talking about James Madison. We know that um, he's been strongly linked to Newcastle. Um, and we've got a few people talking about Declan Rice as well. Uh, Darren says, seeing the comments above, no thanks to Rice. Every time I've seen him play, he's not worth £100 million plus. He thinks it's madness. Uh, he also references James Madison, says... Could he join the summer? Is he waiting to see if we grab Champions League for, uh, football first? Before I ask you that question, I did want to speak about Madison because obviously Leicester, torrid result for them. I mean, they look like they're probably heading down. It's so tight at the bottom. So nice that Newcastle aren't involved. Mm. Um, but you know, some of the critics of James Madison point to his attitude and is he the right man to bring into the dressing room because maybe he's a little bit selfish, maybe he's a bit egotistical, but his comments after the game yesterday I thought were really refreshing. It was a really honest interview uh, on the BBC about how Leicester lost to, to Fulham and saying that, you know, they're creating chances but they're not defending and the journalist that he was speaking to obviously heard that, went on that line. So, you know, you're creating chances. The defence have got to stand up and, and uh, make sure they're tight at the back. And James Ramsey said, no, no, no. Us, as a team, defensively. And I just thought... Do you know what? If there are any questions over his attitude, over his character, that little clip actually shows that maybe maybe the, the concerns aren't really valid because he could have quite easily thrown his teammates under the bus there. Look, I'm scoring goals. I'm creating chances. What are you doing in the back? You're always messing up. But no, as a team defensively, we're letting everyone down. And for me, I thought that was another kind of tick in the box to why maybe Newcastle should go after Madison because clearly on that interview alone... He's a team player, even when the cards are not in their favour. Yeah, somebody somebody asked me about James Madison the other day and, and what my thoughts were about you know Newcastle potentially signing him, and and they sort of said, oh well, I've you know his attitude's not very good, is it? And I think they always hop back to that time where he got called up for England and he was spotted on the casino, said he was ill, whatever. Um, but it's something we've mentioned before. He was heavily linked with Newcastle last summer. Probably wanted the move. You know, Leicester priced Newcastle out of it. And there was no sulking. There was no poor run of form. Actually, he started the season in blistering form when Newcastle was still being linked with him. So, and yeah, those comments obviously after their defeat yesterday goes again to prove that I think he, he does probably have that attitude that he was looking for. Um, we've spoken a lot about when there's part of fans, you know, are sort of a little bit split as to whether he fits in the system. Some are saying it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, there has been a lot of talk of him obviously preferring to move to London, but... You know, if Newcastle United are playing Champions League football and Tottenham are playing Conference League football, then that might change his mind somewhat. Johnny says, Madison doesn't fit our system. There's no way any moves to play number 10. I was all up for Madison, but realised it's just not going to happen. And if I'm not mistaken, was it last week? Uh, Kieran Trippier was asked about James Ward-Prowse, who's another man linked, um, and he joked that he'd be taken off set pieces. Yep. And I mean, obviously, he says something like that. It's always going to get picked up and, and ran with. Um but it's interesting because we're talking about Newcastle signing a mid-central midfield. Now, Madison's not going to play there. Now, when you look at how well Almiron, how well Murphy have played, you know, St. Maximum before he picked up the injury was looking a little bit back on his form. Isaac obviously can play out there. You, you suspect that if Madison doesn't play as a number 10, he will have to play out wide. Where does where does he fit? He's already, I think he's already pretty much came out and said in the past. He certainly told Brendan Rodgers that he didn't want to play down the right or down the left. I think he he will want assurances about where he's going to play. Does he fit in the system? Maybe not because he he likes to play as a ten. Newcastle don't really do that. I'm sure 
he's versatile enough to move into the, one of those eight positions that we see Willick and Longstaff occupy week in week out. I'm sure he'd have no problem with that, but you know, if Tottenham say right, well, we'll give you a number ten position and a lot more money, then you know, who knows? It's going to be very interesting to see where he goes in the summer because I think even if Leicester managed to stay up this season, I think he's a, I think he's a goner. Harvey Barnes as well. Yeah, very good player. Another one that splits opinion. I mean, he has done on this pod before in the comments. I, you know, depending on which Newcastle fan they speak to, they either love him or hate him. Me personally, I think he's a fantastic player. Really, really positive. Um, eye for goal. Very good at assisting. Good at dribbling. Would tick a lot of boxes for me. Hmm. Yeah, one to watch. Now we got a lot of nice comments last week about the trivia that I, I uh, gave Aaron. Obviously, the Anna Carroll remark went down swimmingly. Yeah, I got a lot of text messages about that. I'm not even going to apologise. You deserved to go viral for that. <laughs> so every week, I've decided I'm going to give Aaron a bit of a quiz. Just know what the subject is, um, and we're going to test him and see how it goes. You guys watching live, I hope you can play along. Um, so, Castanet, you've got four games left in this season. Yeah. Leeds, Brighton, Leicester, and Chelsea. Can you name the last player to have played for Newcastle, then moved to Leeds for each of those clubs? We'll oh. start with Leeds as they're next on the calendar. Um, I've got the dates written down if you want a bit of help. Yeah, I'll need the date for the Leeds one. So joined summer 2017, joined Leeds in summer 2017 and left in the summer of 2019, mutual consent. Now I betted to myself that you'd get two out of the four. And was this one of them? This isn't the this isn't the isn't this isn't the one that stands out. No, I'm I'm struggling to think of someone who who joined Leeds in twenty seventeen. I think I'm gonna need a pass on that one. Gonna need a pass. Yeah. Vernon Anita. Nah, I don't think I would have got that one. I don't no, think I would no. have. Clearly, because you you haven't you <laughs> haven't got it. Then on to Brighton. Um, that one will be Johnny just said Annie Carroll there that's going <laughs> to follow you around me. Uh, I'm going to need the years again for this 2011 played five times for Brighton 2011 this is the one I thought you'd get well known uh, the person is whether his move to Brighton is well known is another question give us his position goalkeeper don't say Tim Crew. I wasn't going to Brighton goalkeeper Steve Harper no I couldn't have told you Steve Harper I thought you would have got that no, one I didn't okay. get that one. Two, two down two to go yeah. Leicester yeah, this is a given you've got to get this one I don't even want to give you the yeah the last Newcastle United player who moved from Newcastle to Leicester. Give us the year. 2019. He's played 80 times and scored 12 goals. Oh, yeah, Jose Perez. Ah, Jose Perez, that is the one currently <sighs> on loan at Real Betis. I'll tell you what, you know, in terms of needing a strike as a stopgap, I said it. I said it off camera. Actually, I didn't say it on. But as we're here, I'll say it now and get slated for it. A cheeky little loan deal for him in January, nah, you know. No, no, no. Just to fill He's the gap. He's passed in. it. He's passed it. I'm not saying he would have played, but you know, an option off the bench. Scored against Manchester United. Definitely getting slated for that. Um, finally, then Chelsea. Oh, Newcastle, Chelsea. Um, oh, it's probably going to be a few here. Um, what year? I closed the book now. Two seconds. I think he played uh, 2017, was it? 17. Um, do you know what? I haven't written the year down, but yeah, I think it was 2017. Remy? Like Remy. <sighs> yeah, we had some good guesses there. A lot of people got Perez. Um, a lot of people got Anita, actually. Derek said Demba Bar, which I think is everyone's go-to when it comes yeah, to that. Yeah, I was but torn between the two, but Remy was later, wasn't he? Yeah. Demba only, only played a season for Chelsea, actually, which surprised me. But yeah, it was like Remy. He had a couple of seasons at Chelsea. Now, John says Kennedy, but, I mean, technically speaking, you would be right, John, but he was only on loan um, from Chelsea, so I, I disregarded that. I should have stated that at the start of the quiz. So what was that? You got two out of four? I, well, as I said, yeah, well, I said yeah. not the two I thought you would have got, but yeah. Um, 
there we have um thank you very much guys for listening hit that subscribe button on your podcast provider and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest newcastle united news it's been a pleasure as always and we'll catch you later in the week mm-hmm.